So now this guy had no birth certificate that was valid. He didn't know who his actual parents were. And further DNA testing didn't help at all. But here's what he did know. He did know that once he was lost and abandoned, but then he was rescued and loved. And in some ways, ours is a similar story. Lost and abandoned, helpless and rescued, chosen and loved. Spiritually, it's the story of every one of us. The difference is, we know who we are. We know where we received birth. By the word of God or by his holy sacrament, faith was created in our hearts and we became children of God. Luther said that in his own prayers, he often would be stuck for hours trying to get through the Lord's prayer because he would stop and think, what does it mean for me to be able to say to God, our Father? And the catechism explanation of the introduction to the Lord's Prayer demonstrates how intensely Luther meditated on that phrase. What it meant to be adopted by God, to be able to call him Father. With these words, Luther explained, God invites us to believe that we are his true, dear children and to come to him with requests such as an earthly child would bring to a loving, attentive father. God treats us tenderly that we might be called his children. We're children by his choice, by his sacrifice, by his grace. We praise our Heavenly Father for the gifts he has lavished upon us by his spirit. Because we know that God is not a distant father. He's no deadbeat dad. God loves his children no matter how young or how old, whether they're cradled in their mother's womb or in the arms of their families or in a hospice bed. He loves them even after they die. He doesn't just love them, he lavishes his love upon them. That's the reason I chose that translation. I had to search around a little bit for it. I wanted one that said he lavishes his love on us because when I was working toward my doctorate, I had to learn French. I've never used it at all since then, except when I'm playing word games. Sometimes I remember, oh yeah, that word comes from French, so it's spelled wrong. But in the, the word lavish comes from the French, and it means downpour. Downpour. We had a downpour just recently, didn't we? Man, now can you imagine being out in that downpour, but every drop of it and every bit of that wind is filled just with God's love? So that there's not a bit of you that wouldn't be washed in God's love? 
That's how God has loved us. He lavishes. He fills us in the, in, with his grace like a downpour. When he sends his gifts on his children, he gives them so much more than just what they need. He gives them life. And then he gives us a whole book that tells us about that life. And as a bonus, right there in that thick book, is how we should live that life. We know we didn't get it by doing the right thing. But we have examples of how the people of God have rejoiced in his grace after they've fallen short, but also how they have responded faithfully to the Father's gifts. Because he does rebuke his people, his children, when they're wrong, but he is also quick to forgive. And he cares about how they're raised. You can tell that. Because he surrounds his children with loving, caring, people, some of whom we celebrate on a special day set aside in their honor called All Saints Day. And some of those saints that we remember this day have been in our own families. God has blessed many of us with wise parents, because parents are supposed to be wise. We know that they're sinners and we know they're failures, but parents are supposed to be wise. I learned that from my wife. Because any time that the kids would ask her, how do you know these things? She would simply smile and say, I'm a mom. I'm paid to know these things. Now the best wisdom that parents can have is the knowledge that their children are not their own. One of the most moving baptisms I ever saw was not in a Lutheran church, but in a Greek Orthodox church. You know, if you've ever been, anybody here ever been in a Greek Orthodox church, they say, okay, good. So you know they have the icons along the the sides, and and they also have the iconostasis. We used to Greek Orthodox church not far from here have that. It's a wall that separates the, the, the altar and the cross from the people. And at the beginning of the service, somebody comes out and he opens that wall and God's grace comes out to God's people. I think that's cool. There are a lot of things I don't care for in the Greek Orthodox Church, but uh, I think that is cool. But this was really great. I went there for a baptism of the grandchild of our school secretary when I was a pastor in Chicago. I told you I was a Cub fan. Don't hate me. So, you know, one thing you learn as a Cubs fan is suffering. But that's okay. <laughs> Priest came out, baptized a child. He took the child, baptized the child, then he disappeared, still carrying the baby. And I thought, what's up with this? Give the baby back. And he did. But first he walked up with the baby in his arms, and he prayed to God. that he has now adopted as his own. And then the priest came down and handed the baby back to the parents. And he says, this child is now God's child. And he's trusting you to care for him. 
It matters to God how we care for his children. We're foster parents, every one of us, caring for our children on a temporary basis. And above all, the physical needs are the, the needs of the soul. Already before a child is born, Christian fathers and mothers commit their children to the care of the Lord. They pray for the unborn child. They make plans to baptize the newborn baby so that God might wash away their child's sin. And later the toddler is taught to fold chubby little fingers and to pray simple prayers. And while that kid is still young, while deep impressions are being formed, the child accompanies the parents to God's house where he can join his father and mother in the worship of our living God. And daily the parents guide and correct the child that they might teach God's will for their conduct in life, but also and chiefly be living examples of God's love and forgiveness. Mothers and fathers, our children are God's children. Let them grow in a home where God is at home, where Christ is the unseen guest, where he dwells in love and in mercy. And of course, the family home is not the only place where the children of God are cared for through his saints. Here in church, Christians are born of water and the word. Here they're trained and nourished and corrected and supported. And here, well, I don't know how it is here yet, but every church I've ever been in, I have heard about people who look to older adults, some of whom have passed on, but some still with us, and thought that's what it should look like to be a child of God. That's how a child of God should do things. they enter into conversation that is in any way deep, they will also find out that those living Christian examples are depending on only one thing, and that is God's grace. Here in church, people are trained and nourished and supported here we are contemplating opening a school where little saints of God can grow wise in the ways of God and of his world. Become better prepared to rejoice in both. And this is where we come with empty hands to receive every spiritual blessing. Here is where we worship God with all of the saints in the most inclusive way possible because it's also with all the company of heaven. 
Because the church is the one place where simply being dead doesn't mean you don't count. It doesn't get in the way of your participation. Because when we worship God, we worship God with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. How big is your church? Billions and billions, quite literally, are united in one faithful fellowship. The saints of God are all the sinners Christ has redeemed with his precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. All who have received faith in him as a gift and trust that his righteousness is more than enough to save them on the day of judgment. I had a friend when I was in Las Vegas. His name was... Pastor Ray Christensen. He was an ELCA pastor. But hey, he was also a Cubs fan. So there might be two reasons that you wouldn't like him, but I thought he was a great guy. And he talked about when he was growing up as a kid in Ohio. He grew up in, the, in a city in Ohio, but his great-grandfather had a farm. Ray and his great-grandfather, who is also named Ray, were born on the same day, 80 years apart. Is that cool? So little eight-year-old Ray loved going out to great-grandpa's farm, and he'd get out and he'd walk the fields with him, and he'd try to feel like he was important. He even learned how to spit. And so... He felt like he was really connected to great-grandpa Ray. Well, one day when they went out to the farm, they got in the truck and little Ray was a little bit annoyed because they never left the yard. They didn't go out to those fields that he loved. Because that day they were going to plant apple trees, little seedlings. Great-grandpa, Ray said, they going to be good apples? Hope so. Paid enough for them. They better be. Great Grandpa, how long before these trees are big enough to bear apples? Uh, trees this size, about six years. But they won't be any good to eat until about ten years from now. But Great Grandpa, you're 88 years old. You're going to wait 10 years to eat these apples? Apples aren't for me, Ray. I'm planting them for you. The trees, they're for me. So I can see them whenever I want to and know that I've done a good thing for those who come after me. Well, that's the way of the saints. Some of what we do doesn't bear immediate fruit. But we trust in God that those things are done in faith will have God's blessing and his forgiveness for where we err. And that they will be a blessing to others, maybe even into future generations. The way of the saints is this. Trusting in God our Father, doing the right thing for those around us and those who come after us. Because we are one fellowship, faithful to God, living for his glory.
This is the life of the saints. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. Here's a gift that the saints have passed on down to us. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. With God's people throughout the New Testament church, we remember this day all those who have finished the race and have kept the faith. We especially note this day those who have gone to the church triumphant during the days of this last year. Susan Freilich and Anita Rosalek. 